This Christmas season, I was reading the book of Luke as I try to do each year at this time. But before I got to the Christmas story, I went through the story of Zechariah. And I want to read this story to you because something in my spirit sort of hesitated. I, I didn't really like that story. I didn't, it didn't strike me as, well, I just wanted to get through it and get to the Christmas story. So I'm going to read to you the, the story, Zechariah, um, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. I'll be reading from the NIV. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you will call his name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice at his birth. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? You see, I'm an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to give you, tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe the words because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Verse 24, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In, the day, in these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among people. Well, I read that story, 
And this year it struck me as I just wanted to go on to the Christmas story. I didn't like the, the something about it I, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy. And so when that happens, I always ask the Lord, what is it about that story that I don't like? Maybe I need to spend a little time here to sort this out. You see, I am a descendant of the tribe of Levi. Maybe that's one of the things that uh, I, I didn't care for. The, maybe the punitive nature, this nine-month silence, it sort of caught me as, that's not the way I would have started out uh, this story. It's like putting the book of Job uh, before Genesis. It, there's something about it that, that made me think, wow, that doesn't sound like the character of God. I wonder what's going on in this story. And so I began to ask the Lord to show me what, what is it about this that, number one, that bothers me, and number two, what, what is his character up to in a story like this? You see, the story does hit close to home. I, like Zechariah, am someone who follows the rules. I am uh, a perfectionist, and out of profession, I like to do things perfectly. It's expected of me as a neurosurgeon to do things perfectly. And many of you here, like Zechariah, are a spiritual professional, and you also have high expectations for yourself, and others have those expectations for you. In fact, from a young age, people probably saw that, uh, that you were gifted, or that I was gifted, or Zechariah was gifted, and had very high expectations. You see, on the surface, Zechariah seems to be doing everything right, but he's not getting what he wants, at least not when he wants it. So Zechariah was part of this division of Abijah. He would have had to go to the temple first after his bar mitzvah in the Jewish faith. He would have been going with his father to the temple to serve twice a year as a priest for one week. And I'm sure on the way to the temple, they would be talking, and, and there was a very tight-knit group of these priests that would go to the temple. It was just the division of Abijah that would go. And on the way, as he became a teenager and then early 20s, they would probably be talking about who he would marry. And sure enough, they worked it out so that he married a descendant of Aaron. He, he married the very best. He, he had the pedigree. He did everything perfectly. And after the marriage, I'm sure it was quite a, quite a wedding with very high hopes for this couple. But after a couple of years, people probably asked him uh, on the way to and from the temple, uh, Zechariah, how are things going at home? Are you guys getting along, sleeping in the same bed. Is it, there's, no, there's no child. We're expecting something, and it hasn't happened. And Zachariah probably laughed it off, and yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting along fine. But then maybe five years went by, and ten years went by. And every time he would go to the temple, I'm sure that he would pray. And every year he would come back, and every month he would come back and hear the news, there's no baby this month, there's no baby this month. And you know infertility has a very difficult 
effect on the couple. First, they're working together to try to make this happen. And at some point, oftentimes, they start to blame one another. And Elizabeth picks up this title, Baron. That is, that is a medical diagnosis. Luke is a physician writing this, but it's a medical diagnosis. And, and I want to apologize as a part and a member of the medical profession. I want to apologize to you, to many of you, who have received a diagnosis from the medical field, from a physician, and either it's been wrong, it's been full of fear, and it has essentially labeled you and told you that God can't do something for you, and it's not true. And we do that all the time. And I want to apologize to you, and we uh, just heard a talk about bitterness and anger, and I know there are people in this audience and listening to me who are angry with their physicians because maybe of the diagnosis, maybe the way the physician gave the diagnosis. Or maybe a surgery was done on you or a member of your family, but then when there was a problem, the doctor wasn't there to help or didn't want to take your call. And so I apologize to you on behalf of the medical profession. And I hope that you will be able to forgive because whenever we hang on to bitterness, as we heard, uh, it only hurts us. It's interesting that we know from research that if you get an apology, the chances that you will be able to forgive is much higher. Now, Jesus commands us to forgive even without an apology, so, so we have to do it most of the time without an apology. But if, if you've offended someone and you can apologize, I encourage you to do that because the chances that they can forgive and get past the bitterness is much higher. You know, God was asking Zechariah to have not only Abraham's faith. He was expecting Zechariah to be familiar with that story. But remember, Abraham had a promise. Zechariah had no promise. And many of us in this room have to keep praying for things, things that are the desire of our heart. We have no promise. God has never said, you will get that. But it's interesting, from this story, I have to ask the question, when is it okay with God if you give up on your dreams? When is it okay with God if you say, you know what, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just past that now. used to pray for that, don't do it anymore. So now he's in the temple. He goes to the temple every year. In fact, at probably around the 20-year mark, He's familiar with the story of Isaac. Isaac married Rebekah. Rebekah was barren. And about the 20-year point, the Bible says, and Isaac prayed for Rebekah, and Rebekah conceived. So he's excited. He goes back home, and he prays for Elizabeth. But nothing happens. He goes to the temple, and he's... 
wins the lottery. Only a few priests were able to go into the temple, but Zechariah is chosen. And he goes in, and he lights this incense. This incense was a, a very special perfume. It could only be used in the temple. And with all of that beauty and all of that uh, fragrance, I'm not sure that Zechariah really appreciated any of it because there was something in his heart. How do I know there was something in his heart? Well, I had to ask myself, and I asked also the Lord, why would you, what possibly could change someone's emotion from terror, fear at this angel, to giving the angel some lip. <laughs> Bitterness is really about the only thing that can do that. Talking back to an angel that you were just terrified of, oh, he, that angel touched a very tender spot with Zachariah. Bitterness will do that. You see, many times when we're angry with people, we're really angry with God. We're just afraid of him, and it's hard to be angry with someone you're afraid of, so you just keep getting a little more distance from them. So all of a sudden, here comes this angel. Well, Zechariah was a priest. Where would you expect to see God or an angel or the appearance of God? It would be in the temple, but that's what happens, isn't it? Our prayers aren't answered, or we get hurt. And we start this pain. And pain, first it makes us doubt. It makes us doubt that God is good. But as the years go on, perhaps we doubt even that there is a God. So I believe that's why Zechariah was so surprised. He'd actually got to the point where he wasn't sure. I mean, it had been 400 years since Malachi had prophesied he wasn't really sure there was a God. And if God was there, God was not keeping to his formula. And many of us in this room, including myself, we have a formula for what God is supposed to do if I do this. And formulas are for business relationships. And God wants a personal relationship, and so I can almost promise you that he is going to move outside of your formula one day. Amen. And the way you respond to that is going to say a lot about how much you desire relationship versus your formula. Amen. See, at this point, Zechariah, maybe he's even convinced himself, I'm not even sure I want a child. You know, because the people in my neighborhood are, are now saying, well, Zechariah, you know, you're, you're, you're old. You, you don't want to be running after kids at your age. You're, 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 you're too old. Just let it go. It's probably better you just go home and, and, and have a nice meal with your wife every night. And so he's convinced himself that, in fact, I'm probably too old for this, that if God gave me a child now, I, I, I don't know that I could handle it. So I wonder how many of us stop going back to school or, or give up on our ministry dreams because we're thinking, well, my memory's not so good right now, or, yeah, I, I used to be better in the classroom. I, I can't do that. You know, if God gives that dream to you and he blesses you with that, he will give you the skill to carry that out. So this bit that, that bothered me, this 
silence, this nine-month silence. It sounded so punitive. It sounded so harsh to me. That Well, that reminds me of when we take Sabbath. Sometimes we, we decrease our speech on the Sabbath. And we change our life on the Sabbath so that we can receive things from the Lord. In fact, the sabbatical year is supposed to make the ground more fruitful when you plant it. And I believe that concept applies to Sabbath, that as we pull back a bit. But you know, like many of you here, and like many physicians, Sabbath, we actually work on the Sabbath. We speak on the Sabbath. We minister on the Sabbath. We bless on the Sabbath. And we are not receiving and we get used to the sound of our own voice. And we get used to being the expert on everything. And we don't receive the way God intended. You see, I, at one point, was... The rabbis told me that I was a physician. I didn't need to keep the Sabbath. I had an exemption. I was able to go into the hospital and, and work, and I was really happy about that. I thought, isn't that, I'm special. I don't need the Sabbath. And I have to tell you today, I am so sorry. Because I believe that, that the way that your mind wires, the way your brain functions, the way my body functions, that I did some damage to myself in those years not taking Sabbath. And so I encourage you, if you are working ministering, speaking on Sabbath, to find another day of rest where you can receive. Because if you don't, it can pay, be a high price on your relationships, on your relationship with God, uh, on your physical body. That it takes a lot of faith to take an extra day of rest. That taking Sabbath is an act of faith. It's... Every week it's hard for me to shut off my phone, shut off my email. And there are weeks where I am on call and I have to leave that on, but I, I'm always better for it. But you know, the other reason that I believe that Zachariah was unable to speak, do you know there are people who talk too much? A lot of times it's out of pain, or a lot of times it's out of fear, but they just keep talking. And sometimes they need to just zip it. You see, Zechariah was full of negativity. He's addressing Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and all he can say is, are you telling me the truth? I'm old. Negative, negative, negative. You know what Elizabeth didn't need during her pregnancy? <laughs> you following me? Oh, you're probably going to lose the baby in a couple of months. You know, did not need it. That poor woman probably had to live with that man, blaming her. In fact, when the angel comes and talks to Mary, your cousin Elizabeth whom they call Baron. That was her nickname. Ouch, ouch. Probably started by her husband. 
saying, yeah, you know, she can't conceive, because that's what happens. You start blaming each other. It's not my fault. I'm a priest. I'm righteous. It's my wife's fault. Instead of standing there with her, and she got five months of seclusion, just being with the Lord, she did not need any negativity. So, there's one other point that I ran across. There's someone else who's going to come knocking on the door in a couple of months who doesn't need any negativity. Her name is Mary, and she is an unwed mother. And there's a priest that probably has a formula that's not going to understand is going to just vomit out all kinds of negativity. We know now that babies in the womb, they, they feel their mother's emotions. Yes. Yes. Be very careful what we say and what we hear and how we react. And I can just imagine, it says, Mary made haste to go to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And probably on the way, she was wondering, what, what is Uncle Zach going to say? <laughs> But there are two things. The timing of this. See, Zechariah would have said, oh, the timing of this. This should have been done 20 years ago. Oh, the timing was perfect. There was probably only one woman in Israel or maybe in the world that would have understood two things for Mary. One, to share the joy with her when no one else would be able to share that joy with her. And number two, someone who knew shame. Because she's going to be going back in three months to a very shameful situation. The first thing that's going to happen is Joseph is going to try to divorce her. She needs a woman who knows joy and who knows shame. And she doesn't need any negativity. The, 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 the beauty, the, the compassion of our, of our Heavenly Father to set that up for her. The timing of this was perfect. You know, one of the things that I think of as a physician when I read a passage like this, how can I be sure that I don't do what Zechariah did? Because when you've been praying for something for a long time, and I imagine everyone here has been praying, there are things you've been praying for a while, some relationships, maybe health issues, financial situation. When it finally happens, what is going to keep me from not being as joyful as the angel who brings the news to me? And so what I want to do, what we do in medicine, is we, when we're going to prepare for something that's going to be a little bit difficult to get your mind around, like a crisis, like a, a sudden situation, we practice it. Firemen, policemen, surgeons, we practice the crises so that we're able in that situation to react the way we want to and not the way we feel. And so I want you to stop for a moment and just think about those prayers that you've been praying for years. And I want you to imagine that an angel is going to come to you in your room tonight and he's going to say, you know, nine months from now, a year from now, five years from now, your prayer is going to be answered. And I want you to practice your reaction. Because if you don't practice, 
Many of us are just like Zachariah, especially those of us in service professions. Doctors, nurses, pastors, any church people who are helping. We serve God so diligently, and we're expecting God to do what we want, to answer our prayers, the things that are really important to us. And when he doesn't, we pick up this little offense. And so there are two things that we can do to combat that. One is we can practice. And so I want to give you a few moments just to practice. Basically, what would be your response? You may want to say, God, you are good all the time. Um, Your steadfast love endures forever. Uh, But you come up with your own saying, but I want to give you a moment to plan your response to the answer to your prayer so that you and I will not make the same mistake that Zachariah made. I'm going to give you a moment right now.